to the Last Gen Podcast brought to you by Miracle Word Ministries. These episodes are specifically created with students in mind. More than ever before, we must know why we believe what we believe, build strong faith, and stay on fire for God. We know that Jesus is coming soon, and we're going to live like this is the last generation. Are you ready? Let's go. Today, we're talking about how to break the sin cycle. The thumbnail said, if you've been falling into the same sin over and over again, watch this. Now, this is a question I get all of the time. Alex, can you do a podcast on holiness? Alex, how do I stay pure? Alex, I keep doing the same thing even though I don't want to. How do I stay pure and stop myself from habitual sin? And now what's habitual sin? Habitual sin means it's something that a believer gets entangled in. It's a cycle. Um, and many of you guys know the, the, the term sin cycle. The sin cycle. And we'll, we'll go through what the sin cycle is and how you can break free from it. Lapel's FTW. For the win. Oh, I just figured it out. Um, how can you break free from the sin cycle? It goes something like this, okay? Temptation to sin, sin to guilt, then guilt to repentance. Temptation to sin, sin to guilt, guilt to repentance. And if you're not careful, you can get in this cycle and then it's hard to break free from. You know, for, for a lot of people, there's only really one sin, and my uncle preaches about this, there's only really one thing that's keeping them entangled. They're good on all the other fronts, but there's this one area in their life where they can't seem to get free from. Some people, it's addictions, right? Some people, it's nicotine addiction. Then it's drug addiction, pornography addiction, whatever it is. Some people, it's an anger issue. Some people, it's lust. So a lot of times, there's just this one area that people need to break free from or else they'll just keep on in this cycle. And let me just tell you, this is where people get discouraged in this cycle. Because as a Christian, we have to understand, we want to live for the Lord. We want to live a holy life. The Bible says that the desires of the spirit, which is the real you, are against the desires of the flesh and the flesh against the spirit. So you want to live a holy life, but there's something in the way and that's your flesh. And the Bible says, walk in the spirit that you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. And so today we're going to be talking about if you have this one thing that you just need to break free from, I promise you, if you focus in tonight and you take notes and you you write down the scripture references and, and you covenant with God tonight, it's coming to an end. And tonight I'm breaking completely free. I promise you, you cannot do the word of God and what it says and not have fruit be produced in your life. I promise you that. God is not a liar. God is not a liar. So, I want to jump into it. Um, We're going to start in Romans chapter 6 and verse 14. Romans chapter 6 and verse 14. Jenna Joyner said, the set looks good, Alejandro. What you don't see is that I've got to curl up my feet behind the the chair because someone... (laughs) Built the chair backwards. And so, you know how like a footrest is supposed to be on the front for your feet? I have to do this weird thing where I put my feet on the back. 
Wait, switch to the feet cam, Maddie. I don't you don't have a feet cam. What, what are we doing this whole thing for? What? You can't. That's exclusive content, okay? Um, <laughs> Romans chapter 6. And verse, we'll start in verse 14. Thank you for being on, by the way. Not the feet cam. Oh, yes, the feet cam. Not for free, though. Sorry, gang. $20. $20. Let's stop having this conversation. <laughs> Put amen in the comments when you're there. Romans chapter 6 and verse 14. We'll start reading here. I put in the, um, in the title three keys. We're talking about three keys to breaking um, the sin cycle or breaking that habit of habitual sin. The first key I want to start with is this. Key number one, and write this down and put it in the comments. Break the sinner mentality. Break the sinner mentality. Romans chapter 6 and verse 14, the Bible says this. For sin will, no, will have no dominion over you, since you are not under the law, but under grace. And we'll keep, we'll keep reading. Verse 15. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under the law but grace? By no means. Do you not know if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves? You are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. I want you to understand something. There's, two, there's a dichotomy here between two people sinning, right? When an unbeliever sins, when someone who's not saved, when someone who's not, their spirit hasn't been regenerated, they don't put their faith in Christ, when they sin, that's, that's normal. That's according to their nature. That's why I don't get surprised when sinners sin. It's like, uh, that's what they do. Sinners sin. But when a believer sins, and, and by the way, when sinners sin, they actually have no choice. The Bible says they're dead in their trespasses and in their sins. So that's why you should never get mad at, at sinners when they sin. I mean, it's like, you know, it's like going to the graveyard and then walking around and like screaming at the bones for not moving. Like, how come you can't just move already? Like, what are you doing just lying there? You, you look like a lunatic. Dead people have no ability to do right things. You know, heretics, I was going to say heretics, but I, you know. The Pope, heretics, will say this all the time. I believe, I believe, put, good evening, Pastor Alex. Caught me off guard. Um, I believe people are just generally good, you know. People in this world, they're generally good people, and there's some good eggs, some bad eggs, but really everyone's pretty much a good person. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that before you were saved, before you were raised up to life in Christ, you were dead. You were a child of wrath. You were a son of the devil. You are filled with darkness. So people aren't generally good. That's just not true. If people were generally good, people generally would go to heaven. But Jesus even said, the way to hell is broad for the many that go that way. There's only a few people that are going to heaven. So when a, an unbeliever sins, it's, it's according to their nature. There's nothing surprising about that. But then when a believer sins, on the other side of this, when a believer sins, because it's very possible, um, John chapter, or 1 John 
1.9 says, if you sin, and he's not writing to unbelievers, he's talking about believers. If you sin, so it's possible for a believer to sin, not that you have to, but when a believer sins, it's not like when an unbeliever sins. When an unbeliever sins, they've got no choice. When a believer sins, it's their own choice. You know, the way that people act um, is, is all wrong when it comes to this subject. They act like, oh, I'm just, I'm stuck in this. I, I just can't help it. I can't help myself. You know, pastor, I, I don't know what to do. I just can't help myself. I, I want to do good, but, you know, it just comes, something comes over me and I just can't. Well, that's, that's not true. Anytime a believer sins, it's because they willfully allow themselves to. Look at what Paul said. He says, do you not know that when you present yourself to anyone as an obedient slave, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or righteousness, which leads to life? So that means if, in order for you to sin, it can't just come and overtake you. The Bible says that sin shall not have dominion over you. In order for you to sin, the devil doesn't, he can't strong arm you. He can't make you sin. He's got to seduce you and then cause you to look at sin and say, that's better than what I have. It's a willful choice. So I want you to, number one, break the sinner mentality. Break the mentality that you're a loser. Seriously, break the mentality that you're a loser. I'll tell you a story. I was in Bible college. You know, whatever. Whatever they want to call themselves. I was in this, this Bible training class school thingy. Um, and <laughs> I was sitting there. It was a Zoom class because COVID. You know, what, whatever. Um, <laughs> and, um, and I was sitting there. We were talking about, I don't know, this was like the, the practicum class or whatever. So it was like, it wasn't um, to any like subject or it wasn't hermeneutics and it wasn't Old Testament survey or New Testament survey. It was basically like the professor gets to talk about whatever he wants to or whatever. And so he felt in his spirit to talk about the fact that we will all always sin. And how many you know that, you know, there's nothing we can do for the rest of our lives. We sin every day. We sin every day. Isn't that what the Bible says? That if you, this is what people do. They go to that, they go to 1 John, and I'll go there just so you see it and see what, you know, stop using scriptures out of context. They'll go to 1 John, if, I, if they could ever find it. 1 John. See, this isn't someone else's service where I could just pretend like I'm in 1 John and then just sit there quietly and cover my Bible. I have, I have to actually be there. I hear my uncle in my voice saying, you're a minister. I was, uh, I was typing out for a graphic the, the word Galatians because, um, <laughs> because, you know, it was about Galatians. And I, apparently, Galatians is spelled uh, T-I-A-N-S and not T-I-O-N-S, which, how are you supposed to know that? My uncle goes, you're a minister. How, how? Anyways, this is what people say. They take um, this scripture, and then they, they take it out of context. This is 1 John chapter, um, we'll start at chapter, chapter 1 and verse 7. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. 
And then people say, well, see, the Bible says if you say you have, have no sin, then you're a liar. That means you always have sin. Well, that's not what the Bible's talking about. The Bible, you know, we're not saying that we've never sinned before. I would, I've never said that I've, I've never sinned before. I've lived a perfect life. That's not true. You have sinned before. I have sinned before. That doesn't mean you continue to do it. Listen to what the Bible says. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say if we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So this professor was saying, we're always going to sin. You know, the Bible says if, if you have not, and he was kind of shaming me, you know, like, because, you know, he saw the look on my face. I was like, because I don't have a poker face at all. Like, I'm telling you, I feel like I'm like my aunt in that respect. Can't, can't keep my emotions in. They just come out through the face hole. And so, um, <laughs> and I was like sitting here like, looking, oh, that's wrong. And then um, he goes like, he goes, well, raise your hand if you've, if you've never sinned before. I'm like, I'm not saying that. That's not what I'm saying. And so we start talking about this. And he says, Alex, does or does not the Bible say that if you have no sin, then you're a liar? I said, it does say that. And he says, well, then are you going to sin today? I said, no. He says, oh, really? Are you going to sin tomorrow? I said, no. He says, oh, really? Are you promising me that you'll never sin again? I said, I think we're, uh, we're uh, taking this and just looking at this one scripture. Why don't we go to the next verse, right? If we say we have no sin, we make him a liar. That's, that's verse 10. Why don't we go to chapter 2, verse 1? My little children, I'm writing these, thing, these things to you so that you may not sin. I'm writing these things to you. <laughs> For the podcast listeners, Preston said, anybody else trying to pay attention but getting lost in Alex's eyes? Preston, you dirty dog. Um, <laughs> and so I left it at that. He literally says, I'm writing these things so that you do not sin. God does not want you to sin. I mean, I know it's a novel concept. I know it's crazy to, to fabricate that God actually expects you to live a sin-free life. But that's what sin shall no longer have dominion over you means. So number one, break the sin or the sinner mentality. Never say, never say, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. That is not true. If you say that, you make God out to be a liar. 2 Corinthians 5.17, If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So you can't be a sinner saved. Those two words don't even make sense. A sinner saved. I'm going to ask you a question. Are there going to be sinners in heaven? No. So can a sinner simultaneously be saved? No. Why don't you flip it and start saying, you know, that's why people deal with it all the time is because the Bible says the power of life or the, the power um, life and death is in the power of the tongue. And so what you speak, you become. What you speak, you become. So if you keep saying, I'm, a, I'm just a sinner, you know, I'm just stuck. This, this feeling just overtakes me and just, I just can't break free. You're going to be a helpless sinner the rest of your life. Is that what you want? No. Why not, why not even if you don't feel like it? Even if you don't feel it in any way? Why don't you start saying, um, I have no sin. Jesus has forgiven me of all my sin. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I am forgiven. I am free. 
Sin has no dominion over me. I have all dominion over sin. Why don't you start saying that instead of saying these loser sayings that'll get you nowhere? Flip it. Even if you don't feel it, even if you don't feel righteous, even if you don't feel like a man or woman of God, start saying it. And then, and then watch how good you feel afterwards. Speak what the Bible says. Okay? So break the sinner mentality. And then number two, and then this is going to be like the most important point. Um, I was going to make this point one and then just the rest, but the, th- this is going to be the, the bulk of it. Number two, put it in the comments, silence the voice of condemnation and understand your righteousness. Silence the voice of condemnation and understand your righteousness. We read it a moment ago, or I quoted it. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. All old things have passed away. Behold, all things are made new. That's second no, that's second Corinthians 5:17. I want you to go and then I want you to highlight this verse in your Bible. Highlight this verse in your Bible. It's in the same thought process. Second second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21. So he gets done saying that you're a new creature. And then he says this. It's so powerful. So powerful. For our sake, he's talking about God. For our sake, he, talking about God, made him, Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God made Jesus, who knew no sin, to become sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. So you're not a sinner. You're actually something so powerful. If you understand this, everything changes. You aren't a sinner. You're the righteousness of God in Christ. And what does righteousness mean? All it means is right standing with God. You know, there's a difference between righteousness and holiness. Holiness is an action. Righteousness is a position. My position is right with God. I'm going to say something that's going to shock some people. When God sees you, He doesn't see an old dirty sinner. He doesn't see a human that just keeps on failing. You know what he sees? When God sees you, he sees Jesus. In the eyes of God the Father, there's no difference between Jesus and you. I want you to write that in the comments. When God sees me, he sees Jesus. When God sees me, he sees Jesus. Can you imagine... Jesus walking into the throne room and God the Father looking at him and being like, bro, I can't believe you did that again. I'm so sick of you doing that over and over and over. I don't even want to look at your face. No, you can't. When God sees me, he sees Jesus. 
What the reality is, when you got saved, you don't just walk into the throne room next to Jesus, but what Paul taught in all of his epistles is that we're in Christ. It's called Pauline revelation. We're in Christ. So many, you know, many people quote Ephesians chapter 2 and have this mindset. In Ephesians chapter 2, meaning um, when God raised Jesus from the dead, he raised us up to sit with him in heavenly places. And I used to get this picture of God the Father sitting on the throne, then beside him Jesus, and then beside Jesus me. Oh, I'm seated in heavenly places with, in, in Christ Jesus. But that's not the reality. There's not God the Father, then Jesus, and then beside him me. Where you're seated is the exact same throne of Christ. Because you're in Christ. In one place the Bible says, put on Christ like a coat, like a garment. And so when you walk into the throne room, God doesn't see you or your old self. He sees Jesus. Because the reality of righteousness is, I can go to bed every day knowing that there's not one sin between me and Jesus. That's righteousness. Right standing with God. That's like when you and your friend aren't fighting. You could say, yeah, we're cool. We're, we're cool. There's nothing between us. You're cool. And not to be like that youth pastor that's like, you and Jesus, your homie Jesus, you're cool. And then like, pretend like that's a sermon. But just so you understand, righteousness, <laughs> I got a chuckle in the back. Righteousness means I'm in right standing with God. And then this is the thing that kills intimacy with God. is because you, you can have a Christian who's bought with the blood of Jesus who's been forgiven of all his sins, the, the sins are cast as far as the east is from the west, cast into the sea of forgetfulness to be remembered no more. God doesn't remember their sins because they've repented. They've asked for forgiveness. And just as the Bible says, he will um, cleanse us of all unrighteousness. The sad reality is that you can have someone who's cleansed of all unrighteousness still be hindered in their Christian walk from a sin of the past. Why? Not because God's holding them back or holding that sin against them. Because God doesn't hold any sin against you that you've repented of. But because God, God let it go, but have you? God's let that sin go, but have you? And so, because people don't have a conviction of their own righteousness, it's, it's just a cycle. Because you think, okay, well, I sinned, I sinned last week, and uh, I guess I'm not doing, doing well in the track record, so I might as well keep, what's one more sin, you know? I'll repent later, you know, I'm just, I'm just, and it goes back into that sin mentality. I'm just a filthy old sinner. I'm just a filthy old sinner. But when you understand righteousness, that even if, and it's not like you have a 12-step program, even if you mess up, you're living holy, and you mess up, and you admit it, and you say, God, I'm sorry, I desire never to do that again. Please forgive me. The Bible says he forgives you, and it doesn't say that you have a 12-step process to get back up the ladder to where you were. You're right back where you used to be. That's such a powerful thought about God. That not only does he forgive, but he actually forgets. God's forgotten, but have you. And so I want, I want you to see this, this passage of Scripture. 
The Bible has a ton to say about this. A ton. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 20. We'll start there. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 20. Right here. Alright, he says this. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and he knows everything. Beloved, listen to this. If our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from Him because we keep His commandments and do what pleases Him. If, if our hearts do not condemn us, that's so powerful because you can be completely forgiven and your faith not work because you're still holding on to condemnation. What's condemnation? Condemnation is your own heart and the devil trying to make you feel bad for something that God's already forgotten about. My aunt talked about it just a week or two ago. She talked about the, the, the shame game. I think that was the title. Pretty, pretty clever. clever. It rhymes. The shame game. That people walk their whole Christian lives being ashamed of something that happened in the past. Leave the past in the past. And it doesn't matter how distant that past was. Was it last week? Was it last year? Was it last month? The only question is, have I repented? Have I truly repented? (laughs) Seven Hail Marys ought to do the trick. It's true. People believe that way. If our hearts do not condemn us. And so that's why it's so important. He he talks about um, faith in this. Because if you go to a place of prayer, and you go to a place of asking God for something, believing in faith, and you're believing for something big, your faith will not work if you just believe you're that old sinner. You know, Kenneth Hagin told the story when he was on his deathbed. He was diagnosed, and the doctor said he would die. He wouldn't make it to the age of 18. He wouldn't even make it to the age of 17. He's 16 lying on his deathbed. And, you know, he, he read in the Bible. You know, he, he figured, you know, he got saved. And he figured he'd start reading the Bible. And so he read it, and he found out that healing was for the believer. And so he got excited. He said, oh, healing's for the believer. He asked um, his pastor of, of the church that his family went to, if you could come, because he read James, and said, if anyone's sick, let him call for the elders of the church. So he called for the, the preacher, and the preacher said, no, I can't pray for you, Kenneth. And, he, and, he, and then, you know, he, he begged him to pray for him, and he said, you know, I'll pray for you. And he started praying, and he goes, he goes, um, he goes, Lord, if it's your will to heal him, heal him. But if not, let him give him peace as he passes on to eternity. And Kenneth Hagin's thinking, no, that's not what I want. I don't want to pass on to eternity. I know that I can live. And so he got frustrated, and the guy went out of the room. And meanwhile, he's on his deathbed dying. He said he could only flip the pages about twice a day. And then he would get up his strength, and he could flip the pages uh, three times a day, and he could read three pages a day. But he got to the place where it it talks about in James chapter 5 that the prayer of a righteous man has great power when it's working. You know, James says this, he says, Elijah was a man just like we are, had like passions, he had a like constitution. He's not an angel. Elijah was just like we are. And he prayed that it might not rain for three and a half years, and it didn't. 
And so the point James is making is if, if Elijah could do it, you could do it. And then he says this, the prayer of a righteous man has great power when it's working. And, and um, Kenneth Hagin said he read that and he started weeping. He started saying, you know, I can't pray that prayer. I've sinned. You know, meanwhile, he's saved. He said, I've sinned. I, you know, just, just one day ago, I, I threw the, uh, my, my tray across in anger and, and I sinned then and I guess I can't pray the prayer of righteousness. And I guess this prayer won't work and I guess I'm just going to die. And he said he heard the Lord speak to him. And then the Lord said this, you can pray that prayer just as good as anybody. And he said, what do you mean, Lord? I've sinned. And he said, no, you're forgiven. You're righteous. You're restored. And Kenneth Hagin, when he realized that, that's when he got healed. Because you can't come to the Father in a place of condemnation and believe for anything. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16, let us approach the throne room of grace with boldness. You can't be bold thinking that you're a dirty sinner and that God doesn't want anything to do with you. And what we have are Christians who are like Isaiah in, in, in Isaiah chapter 6. He goes to the Lord and he says, Lord, I'm so unworthy. I'm an unworthy man of unworthy lips. And did, did God say, yeah, that's right, get out of heaven? No. He actually branded him with coal and cleansed him. But we can't say the same thing as Isaiah. Isaiah wasn't saved. I am saved. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm in perfect right standing with God. When God sees me, he sees Jesus. When God sees you, he sees Jesus. There's not one sin between you and God. And once you get convicted of your righteousness, you start to see something. You start to see, man, I'm in such a high place. Why would I ever stoop to a place of sin? It's like someone offering you a, a gourmet meal at Ruth's Chris Steakhouse and you saying, no, I'd rather have the McRib. Don't settle for the McRib. Eat the real thing. Sin is so below you. And the people hear this and they think, oh, he's a heretic. He thinks that he's so righteous. Yes, I do. I do think I'm righteous. You know why? Because Jesus said it. Jesus said that you're righteous. Jesus said, be ye perfect, even as your heavenly Father is perfect. But believers have, have a hard time grasping that. Because they've allowed the devil to get them in a place of condemnation. Thinking about old things. Dwelling on old things. You will get nowhere if you're dwelling on thoughts of condemnation. The, that's why the Bible says, There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now there'll be conviction. Sure. Conviction is when the Holy Spirit tells you something's off. Don't do that. He convicts you of sin. But I, you need to understand the difference between conviction and condemnation. Conviction, even though the Lord, you'll feel it right here. Many of you know that the, the, the moment you got saved, when you're sitting in that service, or your friend was talking to you about Jesus, and you felt, I feel convicted about the things that I've been doing. That's the Holy Spirit pressing on your heart to repent. Because he loves you. Because he cares for you. That's conviction. Condemnation is just when you're just, I mean, there's, there's no redemptive part to condemnation. It's just you dwelling, oh, 
I can't believe I messed up. I can't believe God's probably mad at me. And it's easy to tell the difference. There's no love and condemnation. God will never condemn you. God will never put you in that place. Where there's no hope. I, get, I might as well hang this up because I'm not doing good at this holiness thing anyways. I want you to put that in the comments again because it's so powerful. And I've been thinking about this a lot lately. When God sees me, he sees Jesus. Don't, don't allow yourself to think of yourself in such a low way. Just as a human. Just as a... You're way more than that. You're way more than that, man. Here's an interesting thought, and we'll, we'll go into point three and wrap it up, but... Jesus, when he came to the earth, when he was born as a human, was the only son of God. The one, the only begotten son of God, right? But after he died and rose from the dead, he is no longer the only son of God. People hear that and think I'm a a heretic. Jesus is no longer the only son of God. The Bible says, he is the first fruit among many brethren. If Jesus has brethren and Jesus' Father is God and our Father is God, then we're sons and daughters of God. So think of yourself at that plane. When, when the devil starts trying to t- tempt you with sin, tempt you to uh, look at something you shouldn't look at, do something you shouldn't do, Hang out with certain people. Say certain things. When those thoughts come into your mind, I want you to verbally say it out loud. Don't don't think it in your heart. No, verbally say it out loud. Say, no devil, I'm too big for that. I'm too big for that. I'm not settling for sin. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm a man of God. And then watch as that feeling of temptation turns into a feeling of righteousness. And you start to feel like you start to feel empowered by the Holy Spirit. And then and then you think of that about that sin again, you think, why would I ever do that? I'm in such a high place. Why would I give up what I have now for what the devil has? And you see a picture of it in the garden. Adam and Eve sinned. They were, before they sinned, they were in perfect communion with God. Perfect communion with God. They, Adam actually talked with God. Like a friend. Walked with him and talked with him. Back and forth, back and forth. God was walking with Adam. When Adam sinned, God came down, just as he always did, to walk with Adam. And Adam wasn't where he usually was found. Because guilt and shame entered his heart. And so what did he do? He hid from God. When guilt and shame enters your heart, it will severely hinder your intimacy with God. And many people wonder why their prayer life is dry, but they're still living in a place of condemnation. I want you to start your prayer time like this. Just try it. Start your prayer time before you go in to your prayer requests, even before you start to praise God, just start to think in your mind. 
Think of the perfect relationship that you have with the Father. Jesus said, I don't call you servants anymore, now I call you friends. And I think a lot of the times, um, real hard faith people, sometimes they miss it in this area because they go into their prayer closet and try to preach to God. Don't preach to God. Because they're hard on faith. And man, I'm a faith person. We're faith people. We're Pentecostals. We're not not dainty, uh, wacky charismatics. I'm just soaking in his presence. No, that's not what I'm saying. But if you're in a place where you're, you're too macho to be intimate with God, and you try to preach to God, watch as your prayer life gets stale. Be intimate with God, then you can be on fire and preach hard and, and, and believe hard. Don't try, to, don't try to preach to God. Don't try to be all like fake. You know God can see through fake. I mean, I, I know it's simple, but God's, God can so easily see through fake. There's people who are so fake. They're fake on the outside. They just try to sound like someone else. But I wonder if they go into their prayer closet and try to be that, that fake person with God. God notices that and says, that's not who I created you to be. You're not that other person. You're you. Be you. It's like, it's like those of you who are married, going to your wife and acting like she's your coworker, Talking to your wife as if you were talking to your coworker in a formal way. You're intimate with those you love and those you know. Condemnation is the killer of intimacy. Okay? And then point three... So point number one, break the sinner mentality. Point number two, silence the voice of condemnation and understand your righteousness. <laughs> oh man, I tried not to go there. I don't need to be real. I need to be me. Come on. Someone say that. Many of you are trying to be real, but have you been real with Jesus? Um, the third point. Point number one, break the sinner mentality. Number two, silence the voice of condemnation and understand your righteousness. Number three, leave no foothold to the devil. So the Bible says, leave no foothold to the devil. And another way, you can, you can sum it up like this. Cut off any access point the devil has. This is a very simple and short point. It's very practical because you can do it right now on your phone. Go back and think, how is it Because the devil has no new tricks. If you're really looking to get free and you're really real about this thing, think in your mind, if I were the devil, how how would I tempt me and get me to fall into sin? Think about that. Okay? My uncle tells the story of how when he was a youth pastor, you know, his kids would come up to him and they'd say, Pastor Ted, Pastor Ted, Black screen. Maddie's asking me. Um, no, the, the last gen. Yeah. They say, Pastor Ted, I'm just, I'm trying to live, I'm trying to live free. I'm trying to live right. 
but man, these girls, and I'm just getting, I'm falling into temptation, and I'm texting them, and, but I, I, I want to live free. And so the first thing he'd say is, he, he didn't say, are you praying? Are you fasting? Are you reading the word? He'd say, let me see your phone. Back then, let me see your iPod. Let me see your playlist. What are you listening to? What are you listening to? What are you looking at? What's on your Instagram feed? What's on your TikTok feed? Go back and think in your mind, how has the devil attacked me in the past? And then don't be stupid. The definition of insanity, they say, this is what Einstein said. He said, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. You're insane if you think you can do the same things that once caused you to fall. And No, I'm stronger now. I'm str- Cut it off. The Bible says, leave no foothold for the devil. It's true that sin has no dominion over you. But if you flirt with the line of sin, if you flirt with the devil, if you flirt with the idea of sin, you give the devil an inch, he takes a mile. What is on your feed? What is in your ears? What's going into your eyes? What you dwell on, you'll then do. That's right. Pastor Erica said, putting yourself back in the place you were, expe- place you were expecting something different. That's right. You can't put yourself back into that Instagram feed that you know is causing sin. And then think, oh, I'm stronger. I'm stronger than that. Listen, there's some people that you need to unfollow. If you're a guy, there are some girls who you need to unfollow. I'm being real. Some, they might even be Christians. But make a list. Think to yourself, is this something? I mean, it's so, it's so like elementary that like I know my aunt does this with with my cousins and my uncle as well. They say, you know, because they've got a strong, you know, spirit. They know what's right and what's wrong. And so the question that they ask themselves is, would Jesus like me watching this? Pretty simple question, pretty elementary, pretty basic. But if you put yourself willingly, because then, and then people put themselves willingly into that position, they fall into temptation, they fall into condemnation, they repent, but they're still feeling condemned about what they did and feeling like they've got that sinner's complex, and then they tell people, well, I just couldn't help myself, man. No, you could. This is what the Bible says. God will never allow you to be tested beyond something that you can handle. It says this, he's always made a way out. No temptation has befallen you that's not common to man. There's always a way out. I like what Pastor Erica said, unfollow, in all caps, too. Unfollow, block, and run. Joshua said, put your Crocs into sport mode and just book it. Pastor Erica said, keep them in sport mode always, LOL. Never know when you got to go. <laughs> I hate Crocs. They're such a, such a 
terrible piece of plastic. What they look so goofy. Anyways, um, <laughs> run, <laughs> run, girls. There are some guys in your youth group that you need to unfollow because of what they post. And it's not all out like blatant, but people know what they what they're doing when they post. I'm serious. Like people act like they're trying to be all cute. You know, I was talking about this with my mom. People, girls, they'll post a picture of them by the beach, you know, in their in their in their bikini, and then they'll put like Proverbs 10:22 underneath it. The blessing of the Lord maketh rich. It's like what what does this have to do with that? It's like, dude, everyone sees what you're doing. Like, what what is the intent when you post that? Everyone knows it. You know it. Your intent was to get guys to be like, oh, like be real. Can we be real? Can we be, be real tonight? So you've got to unfollow. Girls, there's guys in your youth group. Yeah, they can stack the most amount of chairs. That's right. They know all the worship songs. Maybe they even know how to play how he loves on the guitar. Gosh darn it. They have curly hair and whatever you need to unfollow them you know we did a podcast episode three people three christians you need to unfollow on instagram and irl in real life for the millennials you heard that's right leave no foothold to the devil (laughs) i'm telling you man there's youth group guys that will stack all the chairs for the clout i'm telling you that's like the sign of masculine. That's how you that's how you win the ladies. Guys, if you want a girl in your youth group, get the most amount of chairs. Stack those chairs, but as you're stacking them, just go over and be like, it's whatever, girl. I just got a servant's heart, you know. Three problems I have. I serve too hard, love too hard, read the Bible too much you'll be sure to win her. And then tell her that the Lord told you to marry her. Surefire way to get a girl. I'm just saying. I, I know all the tricks. Um, listen, unfollow. Some of y'all need to delete TikTok. Actually, let me, let me rephrase that. All y'all need to delete TikTok. The algorithm is set up in a way to show you the worst things. Like, I'm telling you, if I did not have, ins- I mean, like, I have Instagram now for the last gen and it's good to be on those places to um, have a Christian influence there and, and stuff like that. But really, if you look outside of you know, having influence in the world, being a Christian, there's no purpose to social media. And so like, you have to ask yourself the question, is this worth living in continual sin over? Jesus said, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. A more realistic translation is gouge it out. It means... Yeah, yeah, it's pretty graphic. I don't want to think about it. If your arm causes, if your hand causes you to sin, chop it off. It's better for you to enter eternity, enter heaven with one hand, rather than have two good hands in hell. If your Snapchat causes you to sin, delete it. You have to ask yourself the question. Am I real about this? Like, am I going to go all in? Like, am I going to really make an effort to live for the Lord? 
And then you gotta say whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Hope that helps someone today. Thank you.